Wanese, and welcome to the 2015 June edition of Voices of Experience. I'm your host, Michael Hoffman. Once again, we will bring you tips and techniques, ideas, and examples to help you grow your business and rock your platform. And this month, we're putting a little focus on a topic that's near and dear to all of our success, technology. How to use it to create audience involvement? What's the new tech for communication on the internet? What apps are really impacting our business? What happens when the tech doesn't work? And a few topics that have nothing to do with technology just to break it up and you've got yourself a VOE that will ignite your business. And as always, be sure to watch the videos that are available on the app version of VOE by clicking on the movie slate icon illuminated at the bottom of the segment's screen. Not every segment has a video, but the ones that do, be sure to check them out. You'll be glad you did. And when you combine these ideas with another amazing packed edition of Speaker Magazine, you'll need to invest in some technology to keep track of all your technology ideas to implement. So off we go. Welcome to VOE. Well, I'm speaking with Willie Jolly, CSP, CPAE, man of everything, really. Uh, Willie, you've you've done so much in regards to just having influence over people's lives and how they do it. All of the technology that we can focus on really comes down to one thing, and that's getting your passion out there. And I want you to talk about it. Well, I'm honored to be on with you, and I'm grateful. And, you know, VOE has been a major part of my life for the last 20-plus years. It's changed my thinking. It's changed my life. And I'm honored to be on with you, and you're doing a great job, by the way. Oh, I thank you. That really means a lot to me, Willie. The things that you've accomplished, speaking of technology, just the different ways that you've come across and connected with your audience pretty much covers the gamut of what's been available for a speaker or a communicator in getting their message out from books to podcasts to radio I mean what haven't you used well I made a decision early on I was a jingle singer many people know I was a singer before I became a speaker and I was a jingle singer and I made a decision when I was in the music business to be the most versatile entertainer I could be so I sang jingles for opera I sang for jazz for blues for r&b for pop i became an expert in each one of those areas by doing it and i wasn't good initially but i kept trying and when i became a speaker i made up in my mind that i was going to use the same principles that i used in the music industry with speaking and so i wanted to be versatile i started in the youth market and once i got successful in the youth market then I moved to colleges and then from colleges to trade associations then to corporations and so I, I had messages for each segment and over years of course we've all learned how to use technology to add to that to augment that so I became a I became a mindset of being versatile and so I started with speaking and then I got the opportunity to do a, a little radio show and that radio show took off and did well and and then that led to Sirius XM where I'm now on and that led to publishing books and then the books led to audio books and that led to PBS and television and so I'm trying to be multifaceted multimedia multimodal and then the fact that I, I mix music I mix speaking I mix humor I, I, I add entertainment I try and put in a package that is the the 
fullness of what I am or what my friend Bill Case called the full Willie. <laughs> I've said it for years to chapters that I've had the chance to speak at. I've said it for NSA conventions. I speak not to impress. I speak to inspire. Mm -hmm. And if I inspire the audience, most times they're going to be impressed. But if I just go to impress them, many times they will not be inspired. They won't be changed. And so I want to do three things when I get on stage. I want to captivate. I want to be compelling. And I want to be life-changing. And if I can captivate the audience using the entertainment skills I've developed over the years, and then I can be compelling by giving them stories, and then I can be life-changing by being transparent and, and, and not hiding anything, my warts, my failures, my foibles, my messes. I give a message out of my mess, my messing up, my, my problems, my lack of of focus sometimes. I have some issues and I'm still working on them. <laughs> I like to say I'm a life project. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm not done till I get called home. Thank you very That's much. That's exactly right. Yeah. Hey Willie, what's next for you as far uh, as well, Jolly um, Media your is message? Next. Using technology to go to Jolly Media. So I'm on XM now. I'm on uh, terrestrial radio, which is WHUR FM in Washington, DC every morning, right before Steve Harvey. And then I'm on <clears throat> XM channel one forty one. Uh, Saturdays at 4 replays Monday mornings at 8 and then replays uh, Wednesday mornings at 11 Eastern Time and all of that and then we're going to add some more of that content to some other stations uh, that uh, are on XM so we can start to proliferate it in other ways but we're going to create Jolly Media. Now Jolly Media we just had the media uh, program for NSA recently mm -hmm. and one of the things we all are realizing is that we've got to start owning our own media so I'm encouraging everybody who's listening to start thinking down the road you know we all are going to see cars with Wi-Fi coming in them soon if they aren't all going to have them in the next year we won't be far after that and so a lot of terrestrial stations are going to change. In fact, I recently heard that one of the big European countries just got rid of their FM stations altogether. They go into a new thing called DAV. And so you want to be on top of what are the new technologies and then thought to get your content out to people in new ways. Podcasts. You want to be able to get them on iTunes. You want, you know, I've got music that I, I sell on iTunes. I'm trying to get my messaging, whether it's spoken word or it's, whether it's sung, whether it's written word, we want to find new ways to get our messaging out to the people in ways that will make it easy for them. And technology has opened the game. I used to have a record deal with CBS Records when I was in uh, college. And I was meeting with some of the guys who I used to perform with. We had a, a get-together. And I said, you know, what has changed is the Internet has leveled the field. The, the music industry used to be an exclusive club. So did publishing. Used to be an exclusive club. If you didn't have an invitation to come in, you couldn't get in. Well, now you can start your own music industry. You can start your own public house. You can start your own radio show. I'm encouraging people to use that and use technology to get your messaging out. Go bold. Go big. Go bodacious. Go global. Think massive. Over the top thinking, as I like to say. So we're always trying some new way to get my messaging out. I have a vice president of marketing. She's always on top of things. We sent her to Infusionsoft. We sent her to school to learn the newest things. I want to be getting my message to people who aren't even born yet. 
again. Amen? Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> that is thinking they, of the future. That, when they pop out, I want them here in Willie Jolly. <laughs> Willie Jolly playing in the room. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> so we got to use technologies. So we take the high tech, we mix it with high touch, passion, information, inspiration. Don't speak to impress, speak to inspire. And then we give it all we've got. Do all we can. And so that when it's all said and done, people will know we came this way by the light that we left. As Kevin Robert used to say, the world is desperately in need of the message from our speaker buddies. Mm. Well, that's it. Willie doing what Willie does. I, I appreciate <laughs> your time. I really, really do. Patricia Fripp said something at one of the CSP conferences. She opened up the conference when we were talking about online learning technology. But she asked the group, she says, how many of you 10 years ago had as the core of your business a website? I mean, literally, as that's that's where customers go to to receive the information of who you are. Ten years ago, it was just starting out. We literally had three people in the room raise their hand. Right. And then she said that that's fair enough. Now, how many of you now have your website being the core sort of hub of your uh, interactions with your customers? And of course, everybody raised their hand. She goes, absolutely. You can't have a business without a website. It's just, it's just that important. So now here's the question. How many of you have some form of online connection, especially around online learning, after your experience that extends your relationship? And right. literally three people in the room raised their hands. Right. Right. And she said, guess what, kids? Ten years from now, if you don't have that type of technology and that sort of extending your relationship, you will be out. You can't do business without it. And to me, that's kind of what, what you're talking about is, yep. is all that growth and how you get your message out is just constantly growing. So get into it, man. Absolutely. I'll, I'll give one last thing she said, and I, I agree with it. We've got uh, VT now, Lightspeed VT. Mm -hmm. Many people on that. I'm grateful to be one of their uh, contributors. And we've also got, uh, a, it was a picture done in 2005 at St. Peter's Square of people going to see the Pope. And in that picture was one person with a cell phone taking a picture of the Pope. Well, Ten years later, they had another <laughs> picture, and every person had a cell phone. A so if your hands, yeah. that's right. If you don't have your content going to mobile devices in a way that people can get it accessed, you're going to be behind the game. So that's why we're trying to get mobile. We're trying to get my music on mobile. We're trying to get my messaging on mobile. We're even trying to figure out new ways that are yet coming down the path that we can be involved in helping people do what and be inspired so they can live a better greater life willie jolly i appreciate your time my friend thank you for your inspirational words and also your uh, your example uh, uh i just can't think enough you know i give god the glory and i'm very grateful thank you and i look forward to seeing everybody at dc we want everybody who's listening to come to Washington, D.C. this summer for the National Convention. We're going to put on the dog for y'all. We're going to open up <laughs> D.C. like you've never seen it before. We want everybody to come. And if you're serious about speaking, you won't miss the convention. Sounds good to me. I'm going to be there. You should All be right. there, too. Thanks, Willie. Appreciate you. All right. Thank you, my friend. Brian Walter, CSP CPAE, uses technology high and low to build legendary audience interaction. You do an analogy that I think is really critical about the importance of interaction. 
I, I, I call it the highlight reel highlight question. Reel. It, here's how it works. If, if they made a highlight reel about your speech, what would it look like? Hmm. Here's the speaker talking, talking, and the speaker goes over here, talk, 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 talk. Oh, talk, 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 talk. And then for the big finale, <gasps> talk, talk, talk. Oh, okay. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, if you amazing stories, but now, interactivity to me is about did something happen during your presentation. One phrase that I like to use is that we is a more powerful and lucrative word than me. Because I've never had um, a meeting planner or a client come up and say, Brian, could you see if you could make this all about you and don't involve the audience at all? <laughs> That'd be great. Yes, uh, we, we would probably do much better at that. But no, the, the clients are always asking for inactivity and that is craft, that is techniques. And if you can learn that, then you can create really amazing experiences with your audience. Now, I, I love the fact that you use technology. As yes. Uh, tell me some of the fun things that you use uh, that really kind of, you know, it may take a little bit of investment, mm -hmm. but what are the fun techno things you're using? I like uh, clickers, flags, cell phones. We'll start with the clicker. If you buy, like Turning Technologies is a brand that I use. I'm not an affiliate. Trust me, they've given me nothing. I've given them money, so I just wanna make sure I, there's no conflict of interest here. But Turning Technologies, these little credit card size remotes, little infrared receiver that gets plugged into your computer, boop, and now you can do instant polling of your audience where they just have to click on the clicker and the results show up in colored bar graphs in PowerPoint Right there, you don't have to leave the program, it, it's right there. Now this suddenly makes every single member of your audience not a recipient, but a participant. When you can bridge someone from recipient of the information and take, what's the next level above that? A participant in the process of creating something that's happening in the speech there. That's why I like to use audience polling systems. Now, here's the advantage of using something like turning technology. You don't have to explain it. We're going to put a slide behind us here, and there's you know, options one, two, three, or four. You're holding a clicker in your hand. Here. What do you think you should place do? Your, place the it's left like, thumb. They go four, boom. You don't have to explain it. Everybody knows how to, to, to use that, so you get instant results. Now, the cost of this is that you have to buy these. And uh, I bought some from the company, and you know where I buy the rest of them? Yeah. Craigslist, because college students really? use this. Really? Craigslist? Craigslist and eBay, because college students use these things at universities now, because they love interaction there. And after they finish their class, you know, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with this stupid clicker? I'm going to sell it on Craigslist to an old, bald, white guy <laughs> for like 20 bucks. <laughs> now, I could pay $80 for an original one, or I could spend $20 for one that was used three times three in a time. class. Maybe. For the ones he actually showed <laughs> up to. That's right. And so I get this pristine ones, and so that's how I've amassed like about 200 of them. When it's beyond that size, I will rent them from the company. But either way, you got, again, the benefit is speed, 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 speed. Now you might think, what can you do with quiz questions? Well, you can ask them how they think and about a feel about things, but also you can use it to have them reveal their own internal business hypocrisy. And you think, hypocrisy, how, how could that be a, a good thing? A lot of times our whole speech is about moving them from where they are to where we want them to be. So they need to realize that there's a problem. Mm -hmm. Now generally most individuals think that it's not me, it's the company. And that is not always the case. So we have to show that. So that's that, that, that thing we're trying to reveal. So with a clicker you can ask a question like, rate your company on how good they are at implementing innovation. Scale of one to five, one is horrible, five is great. They go, they go click and the results instantly appear on screen, and it's like about a 3.2. And you go, okay, so you've rated the company's about a 3.2. Next slide, click. 
How would you rate yourself on implementing innovation? Mm -hmm. What's going to happen? Five. 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 Why isn't there a six? Exactly. Five. It's like <laughs> they rate the, the average of them rating themselves as an individual will 100% of the times be higher than how they've rated their department or company. Now, the great thing is this is what I call pre-planned ad libs. Mm -hmm. You seem to be reacting in the moment, but you know exactly what's going to happen. So you can go like, hmm, so according to you, all of you as individuals are above average, but the company is not. If we can just fix the company. Can you see how this could be a powerful setup for what you want to do next? So that's clickers. Another type of thing is, let's go low tech. Low tech. Flags. Little colored, four by six flags, red, blue, yellow, primary colors. Three of them or four of them. They're wrapped up in a little rubber band at their table here. You ask the same type of polling questions. But here's the difference. When someone is doing a clicker, this is how what it looks like when they are voting. It's like, okay, vote one, two, three, or four. Right. Look at the numbers. Are, boom. They're looking down. They're now, this is a pleasant low. face. This sure. is a pleasant yeah. face. Yeah, they're waiting for the result with a flag. When we say it's like, okay, yellow, blue, green, hold up the one. Do they hold up a flag? Yeah. And this is what people do with flags. You wave flags. Yeah. They go, oh. you're not looking yeah. towards the screen like you were the clicking. You're craning your head. You're looking yeah. around because you're wanting to know one of two things. Am I in the majority? Yes, yes, I'm surrounded by yellowness. Ooh, <laughs> this feels good. Yes. Or it's like, oh, I'm a <laughs> minority of redness. <laughs> I'm, and my flag starts going down because I'm nervous I'm going to be called I out. I love because, it when my audience is emotional. Because here's what they're doing. You are getting, as a speaker, getting your audience to physically commit to an answer. We're physically moving. We're waving. We're saying, yes, I can't back off. I say this is the answer. And then we reveal the answer. Now, let's say it's red. Michael, you are a yellow. What am I going to do with this flag once we found out that I, in the minority of redness, was smarter than you and your majority of yellowness? You will be benevolent and say, that's all right. We're all red. No, no, let me borrow minds. your pen. <laughs> uh, what I'm going to do, as soon as it's red, I'm going to go, ha, in your face. And I'm going to yeah. literally wave the right. flag towards you. And, do, 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 do. and then you're like, oh, okay, let's wait for the next one. And then we're like poised, yeah. holding, quivering with flags. What's the next one? What's the next one? Because I this is yeah. fun. We've made it fun. Now, this could be super serious information. This could be poignant information. This could be funny information. Hopefully, it's a blend of those things. Because you can go from ha, 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 to suddenly it's like, okay, how confident are you that this next initiative is going to you know, help us to gain additional market share? And then, oh, it's like, oh, yeah, boy, there's a lot of blues because you are feeling the blues. And we've got people, now with flags, it's not purely anonymous. You're in a sea, but people can commit. see you. Yeah. With a clicker, it's purely anonymous. And you're thinking, well, gosh, how much does this cost? Go to like flagsoftheusa.com, or you can just put custom flags in Google, and they're, they're going to be about like $1.25 each. You want to get four by six size and on little sticks. Otherwise, you can't fit them all in your suitcase. And this is how, this is how you get it out. Now, here's this, the most important thing ever with using flags is when at the end is to get them to roll them up for you. That's the most important thing because otherwise, you have hundreds and hundreds of flags that you have to stuff into the suitcase. You'll forget that they're there. And right before your next gig, the night before, you realize you have to fold 4,000 flags. You don't want to do that. Here's the magic phrase. You said, I love being here at XYZ Company. You know why? Because without even being asked, 
every individual here will roll up the flags all themselves and put the rubber band on. And then they go, <laughs> that's so funny. And then they rolled up and put it on the table for you. That's using flags. Now that's genius. What about uh, using your phone? What about technology? Okay. okay, there's a huge advantage with using smartphones and there's a huge disadvantage. The great thing is that everyone can use it because they all have a smartphone. It's cheap. It's either free or incredibly affordable to do hundreds or thousands of people polling. You can also have people that are polling from remote areas. So Bank of Whites in Honolulu, so we're doing an all hands event. Well. Everyone in from the Oahu region came to the live event, but they have neighboring islands. So they're watching via webcast and they were able to vote and participate at the exact same time. That's a huge advantage. Are you using an app on your phone? Is there a, a software? Or well, is that's it just the great thing. When you use something like Poll Everywhere, and that's the most common Is that one, the app name? That, that Poll Everywhere. Poll, P-O-L-L, Poll Everywhere. Oh. There are several similar to that. They've set it up to what you're really doing is texting. Mm -hmm. That's the advantage and the disadvantage. Now, when you're using Poll Everywhere, if you've not used it before, here's the part that you have to know. You have to explain how to use it. Let's just show you in real time how you have to do it. You would say, so we're about to do some audience polling here. We're gonna be using your smartphones. Everybody pull out your smartphone. You've actually already had it out for my entire presentation, so that's fine. So go to your texting program. Okay, so those of you who are going texting program, if you're confused, uh, please turn to the person next to you who's young, younger than you, who's laughing at you, and have them show you what your texting program is. Okay, so you've got it called up, okay, and you've got this on the screen. Now you have to know who to text to, okay? We're doing this through Poll Everywhere, so in the to field, instead of saying Michael Hoffman or his cell phone number, you're gonna go 223366. Everyone do that now, 223366. Do not hit send because there's nothing to vote on yet. Okay, so that's who you're sending it to. We're now gonna have a little dialogue conversation with texting. You're gonna be voting with your text message. So we're gonna put a slide on the screen that's got your four choices. There'll be a six digit number to the side of each one. So again, it's going to 223366, but you're gonna be going 12946. Then when I tell you, you're gonna hit send. I'm not exaggerating. That is what you need to do to right. get them Walk to understand. Yeah, yeah. But just know that with the smartphone, you need to build in time into your presentation to explain how it works. Otherwise, it's not going to work. You want to use hard technology and you want to use it fast. Plug in the money or rent and use the turning technologies or the equivalent physical clickers because it's fast. You don't have to explain it. If you want a visceral experience where everyone is having a great time and smiling, then use flags. If you want to use technology to get remote locations or for cost, because you can do hundreds or thousands for practically nothing, you want to use something like Poll Everywhere. But no matter what you do, make your presentation not just me, but we. I'm speaking with Sierra Madro, who is the technology evangelist. She's also a current contributor this year for Speaker Magazine under the title Relevant Resources. And has been doing that all year long, and she's marvelous. She's also president-elect of the Oregon chapter, and she's co-chair for the Tech Lab coming up this November. So we pulled her aside for a moment to give us some relevant resources for this month's VOE.
It's great to be here on VOE. Well, it's a pleasure to speak with you. And what I really wanted to do is I wanted to tap into your expertise and give us the down and dirty. What are your favorites when it comes to technology? Now, I know you do the relevant page for the Speaker Magazine, so we're looking for something different. I really highly recommend that not only do you read the magazine for this particular month, but all year. It's just been a spectacular year. So give us something that's not in the magazine when it comes to technology or what you find every speaker should know to either grow their business or rock the platform. So one of the areas that I think is really neglected when it comes to technology is the simplest tool ever, email. Email is something that everybody uses all day long, every day, but there are ways to use email effectively, make it a little bit easier, and be a whole lot more productive when you're using your email. So got some ideas around this whole concept of being productive through your email. Excellent. That sounds great. It sounds very relevant. So yeah, <laughs> hit, us with the, hit us with the email tips and techniques. So first off, uh, it's very important to make sure that you're using a good email provider. Now, for both cheap, simple, and uh, easy to use, I actually like using Gmail and using the Google Apps paid version because that way you can host your own uh, URL through that. So, you know, I have Sierra at SierraMadro.com and that's actually running on Gmail. And the reason I like that, they worry about how the uptime is, they worry about my spam, they worry about a whole bunch of stuff that I don't wanna worry about. And it just works seamlessly. The other beautiful thing about using Gmail is that you actually get a whole host of free and very inexpensive plugins that you can use with Gmail hmm. that add functionality that you maybe never thought about having in your email inbox before. For example, tell us. Yeah. I I would love to say that I am the kind of dedicated person who can keep a CRM, a customer relationship management program going and that it, it actually just works for me. I'm not that dedicated. <laughs> I do, however, live in my email inbox. So I found a, an add-in for Gmail called Streak. S-T-R-E-A-K, just like you'd think. Mm -hmm. And Streak is a combination of CRM and sales pipeline that monitors your email, which is exactly where I'm going to be sitting all day long. So when I get contracts in, when I get things that I need to remember associated with a particular person, I can just one click, add that right in, to the, their, that person's CRM database, that person's sales pipeline, and I know whether or not I should be following up with that person in another week on a contract, any of that. It's all stored right there in the pipeline using Streak in my Gmail. And that's actually amazingly simple, but it's something that can increase your productivity and not have to change your workflow all that much. So you don't have that other thing that you've got to worry about. It's really straightforward. Wow, it sounds like a great way of organizing my emails too. I mean, you get so many a day and you kind of lose track of what you're supposed to do next. 
Exactly. Yeah. And if you if you're looking at it and thinking, okay, I've forgotten who I'm supposed to be following up with this week, you can go into your pipeline and see everybody that's listed as sales opportunity. And you can actually define what your pipeline is. So that you know you may have three steps, you may have twelve, however detailed you want it to be, they can accommodate that and work directly with your style so that you can keep up with your email, keep up with your CRM, find the things that you need to, and it's just absolutely seamless. Excellent. So Gmail accounts, Streak is a plugin. What other plugins well, do you find? Well, actually, the, the, uh, the other thing that I like doing with Gmail, I know a lot of speakers are Mac users. And if you're running a Mac and you're running Gmail, you need to try out the program MailPlane. M-A-I-L-P-L-A-N-E, MailPlaneApp.com. And MailPlane is a dedicated reader for Gmail. And it's specifically for Gmail. The important part about that is that you get all of the functionality that you get out of reading Gmail in a browser, but you also get the benefits and additions of using it in a real program so that you can do keyboard shortcuts and those kinds of things that you might be accustomed to. So you get a lot of the best of both worlds of having Gmail and that web type interface, but you still get offline. The other thing is that does is it keeps you out of your browser and perhaps away from Facebook or other distractions <laughs> where you, you might be spending they, a little bit they're more on to time. Me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I really like using MailPlane to read, and that integrates directly in with Streak. It integrates in with another add-in app that I love that's free called Reportive. It's like the other NSA, you know, the, the ones that are checking in on you. <laughs> the listeners, not the speakers. <laughs> yes, yeah. the listeners. <laughs> um, it'll, over in your side panel, it'll actually tell you who that person is, bring up a photo, show you their Twitter feeds, their Facebook feeds, any information that that person has available publicly is right there. So if you're trying to remember who is this person again, it's just there and you don't have to, to try to remember who they are. So Reportive and Streak are two add-ins that kind of come along for the ride if you use MailPlane and work out really nicely. So Sierra, go over those three plugins and where we might get them. The MailPlane app for running Gmail, you would find at MailPlaneApp.com. Mm -hmm. Streak is actually at Streak.com. And that's also built into MailPlane in the preferences, so you can get it right there. Reportive is also built into MailPlane, and you can sign up for that separately, Reportive.com. Then I also went over Rescue Time, which is at rescuetime.com. Excellent. So Streak, Mailplane, Reportive, awesome ideas. So let me ask you this. Out of all the technology that you have been reporting on over the year, that you've used personally over the year, what's been the one that's had the most impact on growing your business? Just any of the technology that you've been exposed to now since you've been focusing on technology. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I'm going to give you one that's a little bit odd, and I'm actually going to say it's my Bose Quiet Comfort Noise Canceling Headset. I, I have the Quiet Comfort 20i, mm -hmm. and the reason I'm saying that is because it allows me to be effective immediately on landing after a long flight. And I do explain, a lot. Of explain that. 
So I do a lot of flying to Japan mm -hmm. and do a lot of presentations in Japan. And that's an eight and a half to nine hour flight. When I got the quiet comforts, because it reduces the noise, obviously, they're noise canceling headsets, it's less mental fatigue. And it, they've actually done studies that you can read on the Bose website that show that having the reduced noise allows you to be more effective. What I've discovered is I could sleep better. I could sleep and slash rest on the airplane quite a bit better. And when I arrived, suddenly I wasn't zombie Sierra. I arrive effective, refreshed. I can actually interact with people the moment that I arrive in Japan. That's a huge win for me and allows me to schedule things quite a bit more compactly because I don't have to worry about airplane fatigue. That's a really, yes. really great tip. Sierra, thank you so much for joining us on VOE. Keep doing a great job in the magazine and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, thank you. You know, sometimes technology just doesn't work. And when you're on the stage in front of a live audience, you better earn your stripes. John Petz, CSP, will talk to us about what happens when the lights go off. We are in the business of keynote speaking, motivational and inspirational speaking, or possibly training and development in a live environment, otherwise known as professional speakers. A great line from a television and event producer, if you want it perfect, then don't do it live. And you've heard don't work with kids or animals as well, and you get the drift, but why do they say this? Because if something can go wrong, it will. And maybe not right away, but at some point, if you're in this business, something will go wrong during your speech and it may be completely out of your control. So, as the professional speaker in the room and on stage likely, your ability to react to this occurrence, adapt to it, and move on in a professional manner is what you should be able to do. So when was the last time you thought about what you'd actually do if the microphone goes off? You trip and fall off the stage or there's an obnoxiously loud clanging or a crash from behind stage or in the catering tunnel and everyone hears it. What if and what do you do when? So. With the many things I have personally experienced, along with help from friends and expert members from the National Speakers Association, I thought I'd share some things you might consider when you're mid-sentence on your signature story. And all of a sudden, all the stage lights go off and you are in the dark. What would you do? At some point in your career, this will happen. It doesn't matter if you're speaking on a big or small stage. Why did the fuse blow right then? No one knows. Now, if you're listening to this as opposed to watching, let me share what I did have. I still had audio. If they can't hear you, the show is over. If they can't see you, you still have a chance. In this event, we had iMag support, which is the camera projecting the live event to the screens. I looked and I still had the cameras working, although dark. So what happened? Uh, besides the AV team running towards the backstage, I made a joke, got a laugh, but it didn't make the lights come back on and I have no idea when they would. The unique benefit was there were two NSA members in the audience that day and we had a chance to debrief post-event of what to do when. What I will do different next time when the lights go off I will leave the stage and walk out into the audience. One, 
While everyone could hear me, at least now I can still visually engage with some people personally. Two, it's highly likely that the house lights are on a different circuit than the stage lights set up. They may be able to turn them back on first. And three, even if not, the cameras would have been able to pick up much better ambient light and provide a better image on the screens if I was in the audience. So most important, we felt what to do when the lights go off, get off the stage and go to work, a person or a table at a time. Thank you to CSP CPAE Connie Podesta and CSP Ford Sakes for our discussions that day. It's not if it will happen, it's when. Hopefully this helps answer what you will do when the lights go off. Now, if this has happened to you, we'd love to hear what you did, what you learned, and what you do different next time. My name is John Petz. Thanks. Most likely, it's a pretty straightforward decision for you to decide if you are going to influence NSA's premier event for professional speaking. Hi, I'm Brian Walter, and you've been hearing us pound away at what's new and compelling this year. Celebrity Sunday, where you'll get to experience George Takei, the Star Trek actor, author, activist, and social media superstar. Money Monday, with every single main stage and breakout session exclusively focused on how you can make thousands or hundreds of thousands or even millions of dollars. XY Fast Five, with five Xer and millennial speakers showcasing platform skills at a speed that will make TED Talks feel like slow motion and three-hour a will for skill sessions where instead of just talking about the need to learn crucial skills, you'll actually get trained to do them yourself. Now that's all straightforward in terms of ROI for you, but what about your speaker staff? Is it worth it for you to also bring him, her, or them to influence? For that, we turn to Linda Keith, our staff programming co-chair. So Linda, let's start with it. What exactly is it? NSA's staff convention in our convention is the most robust, targeted, relevant, and practical gathering of continuing education and networking opportunities for anyone in a staff role for a speaker. Okay, that's a pretty bold statement. So how did this all come about? Well, Brian, last year I was looking for continuing education for my staff person, something that would be a perfect source for her needs. And truly, I could not find it. I couldn't find one place I could send her where she'd get what she needs to really contribute to our bottom line and to our business. Now, Linda, we've had staff tracks before at NSA. How is this year's staff programming quantitatively and qualitatively different? Brian, we have a staff track session in every single breakout slot. Everyone. And these are covering absolutely everything that's not specifically what I should be doing. As a speaker, I need to stay focused in revenue generation mode. That's my job. My staff's job is to keep me in revenue generation mode by taking care of everything else. We have Lois Kramer, whose business is Book More Business. So you can tell from her topic, she is in sales. She understands sales and she works with speakers on their sales. She is going to be working with our staff. And what's exciting about this is that sometimes staff doesn't see themselves as the sales side. And Lois is going to help them make a stronger contribution in the area of sales. 
We've got Cindy Hyken, who runs the social media for Shep Hyken's business. We're going to have a day in the life of Cindy Hyken where we see what has she chosen to do in social media. She's going to tell us which social media she's using. What does her schedule look like and how does she decide when and how to pitch things to Shep that do need his attention, but to take care of all of the rest? We've got Patrick Allman, who is doing a session that, in fact, we ran out of breakout time. So his is Saturday before everything gets going. It's on Infusionsoft, but it is not for someone thinking about Infusionsoft. It may not even be for somebody who just started, although it would be valuable to them. But it's really focused on people who are staff and using Infusionsoft with their business. Here's one of my very favorite titles in our group. Deb Shapiro is also doing one of the programs. Now, she is a staffer. She has worked with numerous speakers. She is also interviewing speakers and speaker staff to come up with her session, which is called Stage a Staff Takeover. And again, the idea here is staff taking over things that the speaker's currently doing but wouldn't need to do if the staff took it off their plate. So this is all designed for speaker staff, but I could see where a solo speaker is listening now and thinking, hey, I want to go to these sessions. What do you think of that? We're well aware that many speakers, in fact, fill staff roles for themselves. They may have family members coming to convention who fill some of those staff roles as well. We probably have speakers who are trying to decide, do I want or need staff? They would benefit from some of these sessions. They may be working with virtual assistants and want to figure out what else could the virtual assistant take off my plate. So the staff is in the bullseye, but on that target includes speakers who do their own staff work, speakers considering staff, and anybody working with virtual assistants and trying to figure out how they can shift more to their staff or VA's plate. One of the benefits of the staff convention within a convention is networking. Tell us how that will work for staff. One of the huge benefits to speakers of the National Speakers Association is not just the content, but also the networking that occurs at convention and then after, once they've made connections with other people. So having been in NSA for very many years, there's almost no problem I could run into that I don't know a speaker who has run into it, solved it, or is working on it. What we're creating by having such a robust content offering for staff is drawing more staff together who will spend more time at convention and start creating their own network. So that when Jen runs into something, she knows someone who is on staff at a speaker's office who has solved it or is working on it. And she will be creating her own network. Linda, this all sounds amazing. Okay, VOA listeners, bring your staff to influence with you. This will be the most customized outpouring of educational content and networking opportunities for speaker staff ever provided at one time by NSA. Are you going to influence? Is your staff going to influence? I am, and I'll see you there. Let's continue our technology break with a feature that we've had on many a session here at VOE called the Writer's Block with David Lieber, CSP. Except this time, I'm going to put David in the hot spot and he's going to talk to us about one of the most critical skills in writing, editing. 
Dave Lieber, columnist with the Dallas Morning News, professional writer for 40 years, and being a member of the North Texas chapter of NSA, which is our chapter, you have done so much for our chapter, including a writer's club that produced, how many books came out of that year? About uh, eight books came about out. About eight books, which was basically an opportunity for us to gather together, and you gave us wisdom every month. I gave you a kick in the pants is what I gave you, <laughs> which is what speakers need when it comes to writing well, books. Well, it was also focused, though, too. You gave us yeah. specific focus and things to do that that had us create eight books out of that group in in, in one year, which was uh, actually fantastic. So yeah, thanks. This is you, man. This is you on the writer's block. I'm sure you can give us a crash course on writing. I can. That I think can really help us take it to the next level. Yeah, some people go to school for like four years to learn, but I'm going to do it in five minutes. Okay? <laughs> We'd appreciate you. Yeah, because we don't have time. <laughs> we don't have time. Uh, so when you're in the second grade and you finish your paper for the teacher, you hand it in and there's all these mistakes and you know that's fine because it's second grade. But we're at the point now in our careers where we can't put things out on the internet that have mistakes we can't put things out that are that are second rate we have to be excellent and the way we become excellent i think is by focusing on the editing and the the editing is the most important part because it is the rewriting so there's about three four five different ways that i like to edit and i would recommend these to folks when they're done writing their story or writing their speech their blog post their chapter whatever it is i would suggest that the first thing you do is an old-fashioned thing called print it out and look at it away from the writing desk. On a, you know, go sit in a different chair, drink a cup of coffee, take a red pen. I like the red flares because that's what my third grade teacher used to use on my writing. <laughs> and sit in a chair and, and with that paper, you know, edit the heck out of it and put twenty or thirty changes on that paper, which you can do easily because it'll look a lot different on paper than it does on the screen. The second thing I would do would be then I would email it. After I made those corrections, it's a lot more polished than it was before. Then I would email it to myself, and I would read it on my iPhone, my Android phone, or my iPad, but not on a computer screen where I wrote it. And I'd look at it on the little box, I call it, because that's how the readers are really, a lot of readers are going to read it. And once you see it in the little box, it's going to look totally different than it did on the big screen. It's going to look totally different than it did in the chair looking at the piece of paper. You're looking at it now the way most people read it. You're going to find a lot more stuff, and you make little notes in a pad, and then you go back to your computer, big desktop, and you make those changes. Now, the next thing you want to do is um, you want to read it out loud. You want to just read the story out loud that you just wrote, and you will find many, many more things that looked good on paper and looked good on the screen. But now that you're reading out loud, you're finding words that are wrong, and you're gonna you're gonna immediately stop when you find it because the, the the voice picks up the mistakes for you. It's remarkable. You don't even have to do anything except read it, and you'll just stumble, and you'll know to circle it and fix it. The last thing I do when you really want to write something special is I go back to the desktop where I've made all those changes and now I have the final version, but it's not the final version yet because what I'm going to do is I'm going to blow up the font on the computer so that each paragraph is so big that it just fills up the whole screen. I'm going to start at the bottom and I'm going to read the last paragraph, big screen, by itself, out of context, and I'm going to find mistakes in that last paragraph that, that can be smoothed over. Then I'm going to move up to the paragraph above it, the penultimate graph. I'm going to keep moving up so that the last paragraph I read is the first paragraph of the story. So I've now read the story in exact reverse order. I've seen each paragraph on a giant screen. The mistakes and the fixes are just staring at me and screaming, look at me, look at me, look at me. You can't miss it because they're now being read out of context. Each paragraph stands by itself almost like a haiku poem. When you do 
all those elements. You have a very polished piece of writing and you're ready to move on with your life and release it to the world and celebrate because you've just done a great job. Okay, so if I'm going to put a blog out there or any type of writing piece, this is the, I may do this for my book as well, I'll go through each chapter this way. But anyway, I'm going, to, I'm going to print it out. I like that. So you print it out, you look at it on the paper, then I'm going to put it on a different device besides my computer, and then I'm going to read it out loud, and then I'm going to read it backwards, paragraph, end paragraph first, end it up with the first one. When you say look for what jumps out at you, give me some examples of some of the things that jump out besides just misspellings or grammar, grammatical errors. Well, in the story that I wrote about the insurance industry, I didn't have enough time to edit it fully the way I wanted to because I was in a rush on deadline. Mm-hmm. So when I looked at it in the newspaper, in the third paragraph, I used the word policy twice. I would never use the same word in a sentence twice like that. And all I had to do was change it, and I didn't because I didn't catch it. So that kind of ruins the whole story for me because there's an obvious thing that I could have fixed. So that's one thing that jumps out at you. Give, give me some things on editing. You know, you, you, when, you, when you're looking for things to edit besides misspelling and grammars, double words, that's one. Any others? One of the key things is rhythm. You want your sentences to, to kind of read like a like lyrical, like a song. Or some rhythm. And when you read it out loud, you realize that there's an extra syllable or an extra word in the paragraph that slows the whole paragraph down. You hmm. wouldn't have caught it with your eye, but you hear it with your ear. And you just change that paragraph. And it's remarkable what that one little fix does. Any others? Well, yeah. You stumble over words when you read them out loud, which means that when people read it, they're going to stumble too because it's an awkward sentencing. So you 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 go back and you fix the stumble. Another thing is you write sometimes in the passive voice. You hear yourself reading passively, and you go, oh, let me just switch that to active voice. Let me flip the word sentence around because now it'll be a lot stronger. Real simple, minor stuff that you miss with your eye, but you hear with your ear. It's amazing the way the body does the editing for you. You don't actually think about it. It just happens while you're reading and seeing. It's it's amazing that more people don't edit their stuff more carefully, considering how the rewards are so huge, because you've taken something that's a, a B-level piece of writing, and with great editing, you, you make it an A. You know, I like to just look at something and go, okay, I wrote what I was supposed to write. I did the minimum. Now how can I jazz it up jazz and make it, it really special? Mm-hmm. Juice it up with something, you know. I really like how you're using all of your senses. Mm-hmm. You print it out. I can feel it. I am looking at it from a different point of view on a different device. I love how you're using my ears. I'm hearing it. I'm hearing it. I'm feeling it. I'm seeing it from a different point of view. And and really, after the fifth time of going through this, my gosh. You're done. I'm done. I'm, I've got that thing ready, yeah, you know, ready and polished. Final piece of advice is don't edit where you write. Uh, Get up, Mm. switch personalities, uh, go downstairs, get a cup of coffee, come back up and say to yourself, I'm not the guy that wrote this. I'm the guy that's about to tear this thing apart. (laughs) I'm the guy with the red pen. Yeah. Look at yourself now as a different person than the writer and now see what you can do to that person to demolish what they did. And and when I have a sheet of paper that's filled with red flare ink all over it, I'm happy because I know that I'm doing my job. Dave, you've helped so many of us really accomplish things in the writing world that I don't think we've ever been able to do. I know in our chapter, and I really appreciate you helping. Any last advice for writers out there just to get it done? Yeah. When I met my writing hero, a New York columnist named Pete Hamill, and I met him when I was in college, and I knew I wanted to spend my life working to have his job, be a columnist like he was. And I asked him to sign his book of stories for me. And what he wrote in there was words I'll never forget. He just wrote, Dave, do good writing pretty simple and that's all you got to do you don't have to do great writing you just got to do good writing 
because that puts you in the game. In this next segment, let's take a break from technology and brush up on our people skills. Let's talk sales. The book is for people you should know. The author is Stu Schlackman, sales guru extraordinaire. Stu, we've known each other for a while, and one of the things that I really appreciate what you do is how you make sales simple. And you are currently in the process of engaging audiences with your brother, your brother Scott yeah. Schlackman, who was the president and CEO of Avon for five different countries. Yes. And so all of your sales background and all of his direct sales background are really igniting the world when it comes to getting more business. And we thought we'd tap into your expertise a while here on VOE. Well, thanks for having me. So let's talk about it. You say four people you should know. What does that mean? Well, if you look at a lot of models out there, you have Myers-Briggs, you got DISC, you got Animals. There are so many different personality (laughs) styles. Tony Alessandra has an excellent one with talking about thinkers and commanders. And creator of a lot of assessments. Right. And uh, we use colors orange, green, gold, and blue. Mm -hmm. And why colors? Well, it's simple. It's simple to remember a face with a name with a color. It's also very simple to remember the characteristics of a color. So if something's simple, you're probably going to use it. Help me understand why it's important to identify a personality type. It's important because it's typical for us to view life, to view customers, to view, you know, planners from our perspective we we look through our eyes and say this is the way i need to present because this is what i'm most comfortable with but if we for one second just that when we meet someone for the first time the first question we should ask is who am i with am i with a gold a green a blue or an orange and then i could adjust accordingly so that i could connect with them that's what I want to do, mm. is be able to talk on their terms, what they're comfortable with and not mine. Yeah. Okay, so let's, let's talk about those. Give me a, a brief description of the way that you see personalities. And uh, so, so give us the color and help sure. us identify it. Sure. And let me use a couple of words, and they all start with P. Blues are about people and passion. They want to connect with the person. They'll start out with small talk. They have to build trust. The gold personality is about process and planning. They're structured, they're organized, they're very into return on investment, they're big into the financials. Green is about perfection and precision, your engineer, your IT person. They are gonna be very inquisitive, they're gonna be very skeptical, so you have to get into detail. And then you have orange, I happen to be an orange. Orange is about persuasion and performance. It's like Nike, just do it, get it done, Uh, win, like to be the center of attention, action-oriented, that's the orange personality. All four personalities are very different, and you can see that if you're a green and you're talking to an orange, you really need to change your approach if you're going to get them interested in what you have to say and what you could do for them. So adjusting your approach is tremendously important. So answer this question, Stu. I've got a person in front of me, and I want to identify what color am I dealing with? What do I look for? What do I listen for in each of those colors? How about a blue? Blue. Blue personality, you, you will come across somebody that's warm and friendly. They're going to be, they want to start out with small talk. They're going to be talking about family, about friends. 
They want to build trust. They will have. They will make. A, if you're in front of them, a lot of eye contact. Mm. So they want to keep the conversation moving at a personal level. They'll get into business when they feel that they've established trust with you. And and what would I look for if I'm in front of them? What would I look for? Well, typically they dress casual and they also follow fashion. They wear muted colors. They wear jeans a lot. If they could wear jeans, they're just very comfortable, but they're kind of stylish in their dress. They follow fashion. So that's what you could see in a blue personality. How about gold? Gold is more formal. Now, gold's in the conversation. They're going to follow an agenda. They have a certain agenda they want to follow. They're more serious in their approach. They probably won't get into small talk. If it is, it's going to be very limited. They're going to talk about organization and structure and planning. They're very good at planning. They want to talk about the investment and what the return on the investment could be. Anything I can do to identify visually? Yeah, they are more traditional in dress. Uh, if they're casual, they'll be wearing a button-down shirt with maybe dockers or slacks. Um, a lot of times, golds are more formal. They'll wear a suit even if they don't have to wear a suit. It's, it's <laughs> amazing. Business casual is business casual suit Friday. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the golds are pretty formal, and, and they're more serious in the way they will approach you. You're not going to get a lot of humor out of a gold typically. <laughs> How about a green? Green is your engineer, your IT person. So they are the most skeptical. In fact, if, if you're a, a blue or an orange, you're going to say they don't like me where really that's not true at all. They're very inquisitive. They're very skeptical. They like to get into the details. They have to understand everything. For them, knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get a conversation where you're going to be doing a lot of talking, as, answering their questions. Anything I can look for visually? Visually, um, they dress functional, efficient. They just want to be comfortable. So they're not into style or fashion. Uh, just, you know, a pair of slacks with a button-down shirt. Typically, it's a button-down shirt with a green personality also. Orange. What would I listen for? How would I identify them? Oranges are exciting, and they will move fast. They are big picture. They typically don't like to get into details. I got to look good. I got to be the center of attention. I want to get a pat on the back when I'm done. Got to win. Okay, Stu, so let me see if I got this because I can see me putting uh, little stickies around my computer as I have my conversations over the over the phone with my decision makers of, of blue, gold, green, and orange. And so I want to I see if I got this right. So a blue person are focused on people and passion. Yep. Gold are focused on process and planning. Exactly. Green, perfection and precision. Yes. And orange is performance and persuasion. That's it. Very clear, very distinct. I can't think of a more people-oriented business or sales process than ours. So help me identify some of the approaches I might take from a sales perspective when I'm working with these different personalities in trying to book events. Well, let's, let's go with blue. What would I do? Well, first of all, I like to ask the question, what's most important to you? Hints to their personality. Because blues are going to say it's about pleasing the customer. It's a lot to do with what they value. When it comes to a gold, it's about the return on the investment, taking care of the people, taking care of the company. How about green? Green's about walking away, being better at what I do. And for the orange personality, it's it, it's about high energy and about what are the immediate takeaways. 
So then it really comes down to depending on the people that I'm in front of, and there may be multiple because I may have lots of folks on the committee that approach things differently. So I really have to pay attention. But if I'm dealing with an orange, I want to really emphasize in my verbiage of how much this is really going to have impact. It's going to go great. I'm going to start off the conference and and make it look good. I want people walking away saying this is the best conference it's ever been, really addressing that orange person's need to succeed, maybe even emphasizing how, how good they're going to look. Perfect. Okay, and blue, I'm going to emphasize the bringing the group together or possibly igniting a strong culture or use that verbiage that says, this is about connecting. This is about people walking away saying, I feel invested in. You got it. If I'm dealing with a gold, I'm gonna emphasize the return on investment, both not only for the event itself, but for the people's positions. What's going to happen afterwards? How is this going to have stickiness? So if if I'm a green, I may add a lot of social proof. You know, there are other people saying how wise this is. My testimonies are going to play a real big importance. So I may change up my materials, the videos that I use, maybe the materials that I send, depending on who I'm dealing with. Exactly. Okay, good. Simple stuff done on purpose, Stu Schlackman. Here's the thing. You're going to book more business. Shep, I know that uh, in years gone by, the president's message has always been, you know, focused on the NSA group and where we're going. We're headed. And I love the fact that you give us updates when we need them. But what I really appreciate about our segment is you always talk business. And so I, I just want to focus our time on technology this time. You know, I want to know in your business, what do you use technology wise to keep you going? What, what's your favorites out there? I use a computer. That's that's first and foremost my biggest piece of technology. I use my iPhone, uh, but seriously, there's some important software programs that I use. Obviously, we have a good CRM. We use Infusionsoft, but apps are real important. I think apps can can make somebody much more effective, productive, especially on the road. And being a road warrior is tremendously important to stay connected. What are your favorites? Give me a list of your favorites. We just use a great line: stay connected. We use uh, something called Virtual Office, and it's tied to my phone system, which is an 8x8, 8x8 phone system. And it's real simple. If I have my phone connected or on and I'm in a Wi-Fi area and the phone rings in my office, the phone can also ring on my iPhone. Or I could check messages. I can check uh, faxes that come in. Uh, But the cool thing is, is I can answer that phone. I could be anywhere in the world. I could be in Singapore, answer the phone, and they think they've called St. Louis, Missouri. Or I can make a phone call, and it says it's coming from my St. Louis, Missouri phone number. Again, no matter where I am in the world. So it's like a virtual office. It's like an extension of my office. It's really a cool program. Ooh, loving that. What else? I think anything related to travel, I use Flight Update Pro, and it's tied in with TripIt. So as soon as I book a flight, I immediately upload it to TripIt. I just send it to plans at tripit.com. And within moments, it comes back. And when I open up Flight Update Pro, it automatically downloads my latest Tripit information. Or maybe I click a button and it downloads it. But the nice thing is it's got all my flights consolidated in one spot, regardless of the airline. And what's really cool is that if I want to... If I'm at the airport earlier and I want to get home earlier or to the next place earlier, I can look and see what the alternate flights are, not only for my airline, but for all the airlines. 
I can see what time the flight coming into my gate is. So if that flight's coming in late, I'll know if I'm going to miss a connection on the next flight. And many times I get this information before the gate agents get it at the airport. They don't understand how I know this. They said, I know everything. <laughs> <laughs> the technology is getting to the point where we really do have updated information at the tip of our hands real time. It is real time. And if you just go to Google and you type in your airline and flight number, that's all you have to put into Google to get instant information about that particular flight. So it's not just using a program like this. There's there's lots of ways to use technology. You don't need the app. I think I paid 10 or $11 for this app. So it's gotten me home or got me to the next gig or made it so I didn't miss a flight. I don't know how many, probably dozens of times. You think $10 was worth it? Okay, so we've got, uh, uh, so Flight Update Pro. I like how it's connected with TripIt as well. I've never connected those two, so that's awesome. What else you got going out there? How about staying connected with your people on the road? I love iJot. This has been bantered around a bit through NSA. There's another program similar to iJot. I think it's called Boom Boom. I could be wrong, but I think that's what it's called. But what I love about iJot, for those that don't know it, it's basically a video email and you can actually take your iPhone or any any uh, smartphone for that matter and you shoot a quick little video like something like hey Michael it was great to see you I love you're doing the most fantastic job on VOE keep up mm -hmm. the great work your buddy Shep and I save it and I send it as an iJot and when you receive it you look at it you go oh video has been sent to me from Shep open it up and there's my personal message what's cool about this is you can use it within 10 minutes after your presentation you could be in a cab on your way to the airport just having finished up and you send your client a little iJot just something you know special and a little bit more personalized in your typical email I love using this particular program, but that was a really creative way of actually connecting with the people that have brought you in right at the end of your presentation. I love that idea. That's a good one. Now, how about you? Do you you've got an app. How's your app I going? I actually got three apps. Uh, two of them are based on my book. Well, well, first I took a summary of some of the most important topics, and we created PDFs, which turn into JPEGs. It's like a deck of cards. On each card is a tip from one of the books, but it's set up as an app. And the other app, which is the Shep app, the Shep Hiking app. And by the way, if anybody's interested, the app is available. It's free, of course. And uh, we make it available to all of our clients. If you just go to the app store and you type in the name Shep Hiking, you should be able to find it. And what it has on it, it's really cool. It, it brings in my latest blog posts, any Twitter or updates. And it just automatically does it. I can put video on there. I can have my latest articles. I have my schedule of where I'm speaking. So basically, you get Shep in the pocket. You know, you carry it around in your phone, in your pocket, or your purse, or your briefcase, or whatever. And some of my clients just love it. We make it available to everybody and anybody that wants it. So it's has it made me money? I don't know. Does it make me one of the cool kids on the block? I think it does. Even today, it's somewhat passe to have your own app, I think, because it's been out there for a few years. But even today, people go, oh, wow, you have your own app. That's cool. Pocket ship. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> a little scary, but I like it. Yeah. It's amazing how much of our business is dependent upon technology. I mean, you just rattled off programs that not only are you using to, to grow your business, but you're using to run your business. It's just an amazing concept of how dependent we are that, heaven forbid, anything should shut down. We would just be over. I think there's some a very important app that we all need to consider, and that's whatever the app is that we use to back up our computers. 
currently, and actually I was on the phone with Microsoft this morning over an issue of uploading all my Word documents as I save them. They're supposed to be uploaded into the cloud in case something happens to my computer. But I think that's probably one of the most important apps. If you don't have one, you should do it right now. It could be Dropbox. It could be, we use the Microsoft Online. I can't remember what they call it. But we use Microsoft 365, which is the cloud-based version of the Microsoft suite. And as a result, everything we have, I can get my emails, I can get my Word documents, anywhere in the world on anybody else's computer. Yeah, nobody understands the cloud. Just use the cloud. Yeah, it's just a big cloud. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at the cloud, there's a lot of clouds up there. I wonder which one has my data. <laughs> well, speaking of technology and use of events, uh, let's use this technology to sort of uh, give us some focus on what do you got coming up that we need to be aware of? Well, let's see. We've got a few chapter events and then, oh, yeah, there's this one really big event that's happening in July. Really? I think they call it convention. <laughs> <laughs> and this year, our convention is branded Influence 15. And this is our newly branded and will be branded consistently over the next, well, for however many years we keep the brand alive. Uh, but this is what it is. And it is, a, and, and so I'm going to ask you this, are you going to influence? In other words, are you going to influence your audience? And are you going to influence the premier event for professional speaking? That's what I want you to do. I want you to do both. And I want to see everybody in Washington, D.C. Shep, buddy, as always, thank you for sharing your wisdom. Thank you for sharing how you run your business and just being transparent for us. I love these uh, presidential updates. And yes, uh, I'm looking forward to Influence 15 as well. I really, really am. But thanks for your time, man. I really appreciate you. Hey, my pleasure, Michael. And remember, speak well and speak often. To wrap up, let's have a cup of Hoff, which is basically me sharing my thoughts on the topics of the day. Technology. For some, the word brings great joy and excitement, and for others, the word brings nothing but stress. Personally, I love it. I love everything about it. I'm what you call an early adopter or a first responder. I've never been afraid to get into the newest thing, whether it's a phone, an app, software, or even a kitchen gadget. <laughs> In fact, I think I have a problem. I love tech so much that I have a tendency to jump in and try without really taking the time to know. And that is my cup of ha for this month. We all love new things. Who doesn't like presents? I know that if they hooked up electrodes to my scalp every time I was investing in my speaking business with a new gadget, the screen would reveal that I'm still a five-year-old in my footy pajamas ripping open a Christmas present with such joy and not caring what was inside, just that it was new. <laughs> How many new programs have you invested in but never really took the time to learn or give a full trial before moving on to the next toy or having it fade in the background because what we were using before was more convenient. Not better, mind you, just known. Example, I've got national convention bags packed with ideas that never really took root because I never had a plan in place to try them properly. Technology that never had a shot without a plan in place. So many ideas can get overwhelming to the point where I'll try nothing. Sound familiar? Yeah. Well, here's a few ideas that have helped me take advantage of new ideas and not become a victim of the whirlwind of new. Now, this is going to come in handy when we all see each other in D.C. for Influence 15. Okay, so here's idea number one. Limit what you're doing. 
Don't go without setting some sort of expectation, a kind of limit to what you're looking for. Now, I usually limit my list to three. I'm never going to try more than three new pieces of technology at once, new ideas from a convention or any kind of change. So once I have my three ideas, I stop looking. Then that leads us to number two, which is to give it a proper amount of time. If you're going to try something, try it for what it needs. Try it for 30 days or whenever you have to bring it back. A good piece of technology needs to be thoroughly tested. I'm not buying if I can't use it. Many a tech has gone back because it just didn't feel right. And no system should be implemented without running it through the ringer and doing some strong measurements in the early rounds. I don't know about you, but I've never known a system or process that was perfect in the beginning, but sure got a lot faster with some good on-purpose measuring. Next tip, continue to learn. We're never done learning. I'm not shy of investing in new technology because I know that there's so much help out there to help me tap into it. Get into your user groups. Take advantage of them. There's nobody that can get you there faster than somebody who's using it themselves. I love the internet. I love YouTube. I learn more on YouTube on how to use my technology gadgets than almost anywhere. There's one-on-ones. The Apple Store is a great place for that. I love that program. Or just friends that can bring you up to speed faster. And of course, there's any kid that's younger than you. <laughs> that's right. My last thought is know when to invest in somebody else's expertise and let them use their own gadgets. I love to play with iPhoto, but that doesn't mean that I have to know Photoshop. When it comes to my business, I can know the technology's language, but that's a far cry from being an expert at everything. Know when to invest in somebody else's expertise and let them buy their own technology. With a specific approach to adopting new ideas and technology, your investment of time as well as treasure will be well spent. Here's to investing in the technology that will take you to the next level. Here's a cup raised to you, NSA. We'll see you next month. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.